The Hawks feared no deer tonight in Milwaukee. It was really a, a team effort, uh, just being pretty solid uh, throughout the game on both ends of the floor. Thanks for joining us on the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Daniel Salerson. Don't worry, you'll hear from Lauren Williams in a few minutes as we recap the Hawks' victory on Monday night, defeating the Bucks 121-106. to A solid night all around for Atlanta as they improved to 9-5 and, and sit in third place in the Eastern Conference. Throughout the show, we'll talk about how this Hawks squad has fared in the past week. And of course, it's not a podcast without our mailbag segment. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We continue to recap the Hawks' 121-106 win over the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday night. It was the first loss at home for the Bucks this season, and Atlanta has handed Milwaukee two of their three losses on the year. All five starters contributed to the victory, with each one scoring at least 16 points. Atlanta dished out 23 assists, including 14 combined from Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. DeAndre Hunter led the team with 24 points and emphasizes how important it is when guys like Trey and DeJounte can get everyone involved. I mean, when they swing the ball, when guys move the ball, uh, just, you know, bring energy to the team. You know, the ball has energy. You know, if you touch it, miss shot, miss shot, you know, you just, you know, fill the ball, you get, you know, like you're in the game. So I think being guys involved early um, and throughout the game, it definitely helps us offensively and defensively. The team as a whole shot 47.3% from the field. Earlier, head coach Nate McMillan preached how Monday's win was a complete team effort. It started on the offensive side of the ball. We were playing against the number one defense in the league, and, uh, you know, they're going to uh, defend your first and your second option. Uh, we needed to play in our third and our fourth option, uh, make them defend and not, uh, you know, uh, take quick shots against their defense. And uh, I thought we did a good job of, of doing that. Hey, Lauren, Nate was spot on saying it was a solid team win tonight for the Hawks, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Daniel, I think that the Hawks did a really great job tonight of moving the basketball. I mean, although they only had 22 assists, that doesn't account for the number of passes around the perimeter that they made to try and keep the Bucks off balance and find the right options to knock shots down. I think that the fact that all five starters scored in double digits tonight is indicative of how much the ball moved and the guards doing a good job of finding the right player for the right opportunity. This is the sixth time this season that all five starters have scored 10 or more points, but it's only the second time this season that all five starters have scored 15 or more points. And we saw tonight what happens when all five starters feast. The Hawks will now head home and welcome in the Boston Celtics on Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. 
Don't forget to check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJC e-paper and online at AJC.com, which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. All right, Lauren, take it away. Thanks, Daniel, for that recap. Uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk about the Hawks going up against the Bucks, and we got a chance to see them go up against the Bucks for the third time so far this season in what, like a month, four weeks, three 14 weeks? days. Yeah. The way that the NBA schedule has kind of unfolded is just really weird because it's kind of they're in a similar situation with Philly, too, where they face them three times within three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is. So I think it'll be great now that we've kind of recapped that Bucks game just to kind of go back a little bit and talk about what we've seen since the last time we spoke. I mean, the last time we spoke, uh, the Hawks hadn't faced the Jazz yet and they hadn't gotten <laughs> their butts kind of handed to them by, by the Jazz. And I, I think one of the things that is frustrating to watch with this team and, and they know it themselves, they'll be the first to tell you, is that they need to be more consistent. And, um, you know, following that loss in Philly last Saturday, DeJounte, DeJounte Murray said it himself that, you know, this team is a team that can fight back, but they need to be consistent so that they don't need to fight back. Of course, they're still kind of getting to know each other. They're still building chemistry with each other. And, and that'll take time. But there's some things that I think will help their consistency if if they start, I don't know, focusing on these specific things. I think getting guys like John Collins and, and DeAndre Hunter a little bit more involved in the offense is going to work out in their favor. I mean, I've looked through some stats just after I wrote that story on Collins and, and how, you know, he's trying to get more involved in this offense. You know, they're, they're two and oh, when Collins is, is scoring 20 plus points per game. And even he said it himself at the beginning of the season, that's, that's kind of what Nate wants. He wants him to be a double, double type of guy, 20 points, tennis, 10 rebounds type of guy. So, uh, yeah. And, and the fact that, DeAndre Hunter has gotten his extension, but he's been somewhat of a non-factor is not the right word, but it's just the first one that comes to my head is he's been a little bit absent sometimes in some of these games. And, and for a guy who's making 90 million plus 5 million in bonuses, you want to see this guy more involved on the offensive end. And I think one thing with DeAndre that sometimes I wonder about is, and, and, and some of the other guys, and we've talked about it before, is the hero ball, the tunnel vision. They, they stop sharing the ball, especially when they're in situations where the games are a lot closer than they want them to. And so one thing I would love to see DeAndre do more is utilizing the drive and kick game a little bit more. I mean, he has the ability to collapse defenses. I mean, how many times have we seen him drive into the paint and they're about three defenders there with him that's when you would love to see him pass the ball out to the perimeter whether that's to John whether that's to Trey whether that's to I mean even DeJounte I mean I know the three ball hasn't been falling for this team a lot lately but in order for them to hopefully get their efficiency up from three they need to get into that rhythm of knocking those shots down from three and so 
if Clint and and DeAndre are still in the paint after those 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 moments, you would think that they would have a good shot to grab those rebounds and and get those second chance points, especially because we know John has the capability to be quick at getting back into the paint to grab those rebounds. So I don't know. It just it feels like there's still a lot of growing pains that this team needs to get through. And I don't know, Daniel, where do you see this team kind of taking a step? Yeah, I think you made some great points. And I think the way to describe it is right now they're consistently inconsistent. They just have not been able to string games together. And it's games where you either dug yourself in a hole and can't catch up in time and lose the beginning or at the end, or you fight your way back and do get the win, or you started really well and then almost lost it at the end, as um, we've seen in some of these games too. But the three-point shooting is interesting because I feel like in the last two losses when we've been trying to recap these games, I heard Nate McMillan and DeJounte Murray say that they've been passing up threes too, that there's been too many times where they had looks and they haven't been able to put them up. And so I think you're right when it comes to that hero ball, I think it lends itself to the poor three-point shooting because you're not taking good shots. And if they're passing up good ones, it means that everyone's trying to be too unselfish or it's kind of hard to figure out what what the other reasons would be why you're, you're passing up some shots. So I think the chemistry part, there is something to that as far as getting familiar with each other. But I also think as much as Murray and Trey Young are really good at passing and distributing, you have a lot of guys that are, I wouldn't say ball dominant, but there are a lot of guys that need their touches, I would say. And so if you're having three or four guys that kind of need the basketball and not everyone's getting it at the amount that they are wanting, I think that can cause a little bit of lack of chemistry on the core, which means are you one of those that immediately when you get the ball, I'm going to get a shot off because I haven't had a shot in five straight possessions, or I haven't gotten the ball in six minutes, so I'm going to take a shot. So I think there's a little bit of that going on with the offense, and that has kind of led to maybe why there's been some droughts as far as scoring and maybe getting off to those poor starts. I, I think it's... You know, hopefully in, in 13, 14 games, you have that idea of, of what this team's like. But I think with the Hawks, you don't yet. I think it's great the record that they have right now for what they're going through. But when it comes to playing the high-level talent, they haven't really been able to execute. Uh, they've been taking advantage of a, a weaker schedule for some of these wins. But when it comes to playing some of the good teams, yes, they beat Milwaukee. Yes, they've beaten Philly without James Harden. Um, but there's been some rough losses in there. The Jazz won, the Raptors won. Um, we can go down the list, but I, th- I think the inconsistency is based on just a couple of things. I think the chemistry, as you mentioned, is just not there yet. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that this team is made up of so many guys who have been in the league for at least three to four years that you would think that they would have that natural instinct to be able to adapt to new players that have been placed in the in the rotation. And I kind of think of a team like Utah, which added in several new factors in Colin Sexton, Lowry Markinen, um, and so many others. And the flow of that game when they were on the offensive end was just night and day to what was going on on the Hawks' offensive end. It's the way that team was just able to move the ball and, and collapse that defense in and get Markinen open so that he could knock those shots down. Get, the, get things open for a guy like Malik Beasley who, who went to Utah from the, the Timberwolves and was able to knock shots down off of their bench. So you just want 
a team like the Hawks, again, that has had multiple guys who has who have been through this, kind of like the Holiday Brothers. I mean, they've been on on at least four different teams over the last three, four years that can drop into a new system and adapt accordingly. And so they're going to have to, in some ways, get this chemistry thing figured out because, you know, we're off to the races now. We're, we're almost 20 games in at this point. And I know 20 games isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things. It's only about a quarter of the season, but it's only going to get harder from here because they're going to be playing so, so many more games. I mean, they're going to be more tired. So yeah, there's, there's a lot that I think they still need to work on in terms of being that consistent team that, that we need them to be if they want to, to make a, a, a long run in, in the postseason. And I mean, I think the good thing is through 13 games, if the season were to end tomorrow, today, you know, they would be a playoff team. They're fourth in the Eastern conference and, they do have a shot to to kind of climb in the standings. I mean, the Eastern Conference is deep, but it's still pretty close. I mean, I think they're only what like two and a half games behind the Bucks, three and a half, three games behind the Bucks right now. So, yeah, we definitely want to see them figure th- figure things out before it gets too late, and and other teams kind of get their legs under them, especially teams like Philly, which, as you saw last night, <laughs> Joel Embiid going off for. Uh, and when I say last night, Sunday night, uh, going off for 49 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists or something like that. That's ridiculous. 59 points. And you know, Joel, 59 points. Oh, my gosh. Even, <laughs> Even more. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So so the point is th- this team definitely needs to get things going, get things uh, wrapped up, figure it out, so that they are in the playoffs when the time comes for them to to be there as opposed to being a playing team, which they were last year. But. I think you make a great point with Utah. And I think with what Utah yeah. is doing is they have a ton of guys that have a chip on their shoulder based on the two trades, mm-hmm. the Minnesota trade for Rudy Gobert, the Cleveland trade for Donovan Mitchell. And they have very talented guys that were moved over to Utah. That felt like, mm-hmm. why are you trading me? I thought, you know, we were pieces like, especially yeah. Colin Sexton. I thought he was a key piece to the growth of for what Cleveland. Cleveland was doing and Laurie Markkinen really hasn't been given a chance with his injuries and just kind of hasn't really been healthy enough now that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. His ability, they're working around him and catering mm-hmm. to his offense, which is his ability mm-hmm. to shoot and also to be able to get to the rim. And a guy like Malik Beasley's always been talented has been able to shoot. So what they've been doing with a uh, young head coach and Will Hardy, and, mm-hmm. and these guys are all just like, look, if we play together and as a team, we can be good. We have a lot of talent on this team. They got a really good haul for those mm-hmm. two-star players, and they're taking advantage of all those guys playing together. You really don't have that, I guess, chip-on-the-shoulder mentality with some of these guys. Mm-hmm. I think Mert- Murray was ready to move on from San Antonio. I think he knew what mm-hmm. direction they were going in as far as we're kind of in a rebuilding mode. Yeah. Um, but the Holiday Brothers have been in the situation before. You know, Aaron was mm-hmm. on Phoenix Suns team that, you know, went to the Western Conference Finals. I think that that hunger, that drive, and knowing that what this team is capable of, that's just got to click mm-hmm. on the court and realizing that if they can work together, mm-hmm. um, then you know they can go to the next level. You have Collins, Capella, Trey Young, and Hunter that's been on these teams that you know were so close to making it to an NBA Finals and a team that really underachieved last year. Mm-hmm. So some of that chip on the shoulder has to come from them too. 
is come mm-hmm. that we can't we can't have a season like they did last year. They're way too talented, and you're showing this year what they can be when they play together. I just don't think, as we've mentioned, they haven't been on the same page maybe throughout the entire year. And I think hopefully enough practice time when they have a consistent home stand that they yeah. can get some practice time and get going a little bit. But right now with their their schedule of a couple games home, a couple on the road, you know, no practices, mm-hmm. sometimes no shoot-arounds, you're looking out for their bodies that you're not really getting that on-court time that I'm sure Nate McMillan is dying to have. Yeah. I think the other thing is is that Maybe maybe this team is due for a come-to-Jesus meeting of sorts. I mean, uh, we see it all the time with teams where they have these, these big, not big team meetings, but these unprompted or uh, unplanned gatherings where they get real with each other. And, you know, obviously the season is still very long. Again, we're not even at the quarter mark point, but... I think the fact that they've been so up and so down uh, in those losses, especially that Utah Jazz one, I think, and the and the Toronto one, I, I think kind of came a little bit as a surprise to them. I think maybe it's time that they kind of really lay everything out on the table and, and discuss where it is that they need to get on the same page. And obviously they're doing that in film sessions, but I think a team meeting is a little bit different than just your average film session. But this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank all of you guys for listening and subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the AJC.com. All of that is what makes all of this possible. If you aren't a subscriber, you can subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe dot ajc.com so you know what's really going on okay and we're back to the hawks report but daniel do you know what time it is it's time for the mailback i was waiting for the music to get going here absolutely it is time (laughs) for the mailbag you can follow lauren on twitter at williams lauren l tweet us every Monday, we record the show, so make sure you tweet at us, Mm -hmm. and uh, Lauren got ahead of the game on Sunday to promote it, so make sure you tweet us if you want Lauren to answer some of your questions. We got some good ones this week, so we really appreciate everyone that tweeted things out, and we'll start with, I'll call Mm -hmm. him a a friend of the program now, because he's tweeted at us before, um, at wet underscore pepper, ask, what needs to get fixed? (laughs) Is the difficulty winning because of Trey's struggles? And you know what's funny about, you know, we talk about the inconsistencies a little bit. 
this team is still a few yeah. games over 500 if we're talking about what needs to be fixed, which I feel like at least I is know. a good problem to have when you're talking about a team that we feel like is not living up to its expectations right now. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fact that, again, they're 8-5 and five through uh, 13 games, we're going to see what happens at the time of this podcast when we're recording. The Milwaukee game has not happened yet. So we'll see what happens on Monday night when they face a Drew Holiday-less Bucks team. And obviously, they're still without Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton, some of their very prominent role players. But the Milwaukee team is a very deep team. They have a lot of depth on that bench. I mean, they've had, a, I would say, a, a really great season so far from Javon Carter, who will probably handle a lot of the duties with Drew Holiday out. And, you know, they have Grayson Allen. They have Brooke Lopez. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a two-time MVP. They've got George Hill, who, you know, was a, a big part of that playoff run a couple of years ago. Uh, Wesley Matthews, you, you name a, a slew of players that will kind of help bring that Bucks team along on Monday night. But I think the biggest thing that needs to be fixed, and, and Daniel and I, we touched on it a lot before in the previous segment, is the cons- inconsistency. I just think that if they're consistently attacking the paint, consistently keeping defenses off balance, they're going to find ways to score. I don't think the offense as a whole is the issue. I don't think Trey's shooting slump is an issue. He's still able to get 20 to 30 points a night with limited shooting. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's an amazing thing. He always shocks me when I look at the box score and I see that he has 17 points and he's been efficient from the floor. It's just wild how talented he is. But I think what this team needs to do is they need to get a lot more people involved and that's going to fall on both Murray and Young to read the floor better or, or, or make better in-game decisions, adapt better to what defenses are giving them instead of kind of relying on their talents to get scoring going. We know that John Collins is capable of shooting the ball. We know that he's capable of putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket. We know that he's capable of posting up and getting to the basket. So I think, you know, when I talked to Nate McMillan yesterday, uh, and when I say yesterday, that Sunday at practice, he, he mentioned that they're going to have to do a better job of looking for those mismatches that are going to put guys like Collins and DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella in a position to get to the basket. And so I, I think we definitely also want to see the bench being consistent. I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen so much inconsistency from this team is that you can have the bench outscoring their opponents one night and then the offense just stop or the scoring just stop when we bring on the set when when Nate brings on the second unit. So I mean the fact that they're eight and five with all of that stuff going wrong means that when they're able to fix those issues, the sky's the I hate to say it, but the sky's the limit for this team. Yeah, and this is a great segue to the next tweet because it does talk about John Collins. Um, This is from at, I'm calling it Tracy's in TRA3 
SZN. So big Trey Young fan, but he he asked why is Collins not involved at all? I know you kind of touched on it, but is there anything else you want to add as far as maybe why he isn't getting the ball um, enough? I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it in the story that was published on Sunday afternoon is that he's gone from averaging 53 plus touches per game last season to now averaging about like 42, 43. So if that doesn't tell you <laughs> why he's not involved, I I don't know what else to tell you. It's just, I think that we definitely want to see you know, the guys that are playing off the ball moving a lot more frequently and keeping the defenses off balance. But we also want to see, again, Trey and DeJounte getting these guys involved. I don't, I don't think that we've seen enough ball movement from what this team is capable of doing. I mean, we know that DeJounte and Trey are both capable of averaging 10 plus or 8 plus assistance assists per game. I don't know why I'm struggling with talking today. Um, <laughs> and and we've seen it so far this season where they've been 10, 11, 11, 10 between, you know, one of them getting that many assists. And so I, I think we need to see a lot more ball movement, a lot more getting John involved, um, him, him getting himself open to create opportunities, him getting open to knock shots down. I think that's another thing. And I've wondered it myself is if his shooting struggles has kind of lent to a sense of maybe distrust just because he hasn't been as hot since those first two games. I don't know, Daniel, what, what have you seen that maybe could lend itself to, to John being more involved? Yeah, I just think there's not enough plays run for him, and you kind of touched on it. I just think there's really no set plays to get him the ball. You mentioned mm-hmm. needing to get take advantage of mismatches. They really haven't done that, and I think some of that has to do with, I think it's up to the two guards to really kind of figure out some of these plays that you can help create John. I mean, obviously Trey can get John in alley-oop situations. Same, mm-hmm. That's how he pretty much gets Clint Compella involved in that, and maybe even in the fast break. You know, being mm-hmm. able to run the floor, that's how John can get some of his touches. But as far as a half-court offense is concerned, just based on what I've watched, it doesn't seem like they, they try to get it to him at all. And it's mm-hmm. you have two guards I mentioned are, again, willing to dish out mm-hmm. for assist because they both average over seven, eight assists per game. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes also these are two high-volume shooters who like to get up their shots per game too. So it's a tough combination mm-hmm. with a... If you had a more of a pass-first type point guard where the scoring was really not part mm-hmm. of his game, I think that would be a little easier to get John Collins involved. But you're dealing with two guys that are really good scorers that you also need that scoring in order to succeed on a night-in-and-night-out mm-hmm. basis. So it's kind of a difficult situation for both John and DeJounte and Trey as far as getting him involved. But I think there has to be some ways for him whether it's knocking down that mid-range jumper or whether there's a mismatch inside the post mm-hmm. you just got to be more aware of where John is on the court at, at every at any given time mm-hmm. because he's so athletic that you could take advantage of and also John maybe moving a little bit more without the basketball some backdoor cuts taking advantage yeah. of maybe a slower guy that's mm-hmm. on him based on his height because there were some times that you see John yeah. sitting behind the three-point arc waiting for a shot, but that's not really his shot. So for him, part of it is him moving around Mm-mm. the court a little bit more and getting himself more active. So if you add those things together, then maybe you yeah. are seeing John a little bit more involved in the offense. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times it's been 
frustrating to kind of watch this offense happening where you see Trey or DeJounte collapsing that defense and you've got like three, the three other guys on the perimeter just kind of standing there waiting for the ball and they try and go for that contested shot. And, and sometimes it's worked for them because that's just part of their game. But a lot of times it hasn't totally. And we ended up seeing wasted possessions because John, DeAndre, and um, or, or DeJounte are out on the perimeter waiting for that shot. And or Trey, vice versa, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. And they're not ready to get into a position to contest for those rebounds. And so, again, you end up with an empty possession. So I think you, you said it perfectly. John getting some more backdoor cuts, um, moving a lot more along the perimeter, getting ready to drive in, and, and just all of the stuff to, to kind of get himself involved. And then also we definitely want to see Trey, Murray, or Trey Young and DeJounte Murray uh, reading the defenses a lot more and, and taking advantage of mismatch opportunities. Absolutely. So let's go to our next question, because I feel like this is another person that maybe should get involved more in the offense or even just involved on the court. And that's A.J. Griffin. This is from I am DJ Yogi. Do you think A.J. has shown that he deserves more minutes in the rotation? I think the simple answer is yes. (laughs) The simple answer is yes. But I think what happens is, and Nate said it himself after that loss in Philly, that He's looking at a lot of those mismatches or those matchups. And of course, in hindsight, you can say that maybe they didn't get as much out of that second unit defense as they might have in the past. But Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday are two of the, this team's best defenders. And if you're going up against a team like Philly, you're going to want to put your best defenders out there, especially on a guy like Tobias Harris, Shake Milton. And, and any of those guys. So, yes, in hindsight, you'd obviously want to see AJ get injected into that offense a little bit more to get those shots um, up. But I think with a with a guy like Nate McMillan, he he really is thinking about defense turning into offense. And I think he's seen things in practice that obviously we haven't that tell that tells us where AJ's defense is. And you know, he has had some really good defensive moments so far but as a rookie is he doing it consistently enough to warrant taking away minutes from either of the holiday brothers so I think that's the thing that Nate has been weighing obviously it's still early in the season and yeah I I I do think that AJ deserves more minutes but there's only so many minutes to go around and it's gonna it's gonna impact one end of the game depending on who you put in. And I think that goes to our last uh, question. This one's from Knight Rider, and also based Mm -hmm. on the fact that you still haven't had Bogey on the court yet. So once Mm -hmm. he gets healthy, that's going to change things up as well. But with that being said, he asked, how soon do you expect roster or rotation changes? And I think maybe more realistically, probably the rotation changes before roster changes, because I don't think there's anything really wrong with the roster. But I'm sure Nate is trying to figure out the rotation still. What's funny is he, he <laughs> after that game uh, on Thursday against Philly back at back at home at State Farm, he I don't know if you remember that he went off saying that he's not experimenting with the rotation. Um, yep, I heard but, that. 
And I think we all were kind of like, I, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? But um, I, I don't think he necessarily means that he's completely not experimenting ro- with the rotation. Obviously, he's going to have to make adaptations to the rotation on a game-by-game basis. And so I definitely think seeing rotation changes will come before we see roster changes. I, so I agree with you there. But I, it's, I honestly think that the rotation is what it's going to be. I, I think we're going to still see a lot of the Holiday Brothers because, because they just make that much of a difference on defense. I know it doesn't show up on the box score, but their presence on the floor just creates, I guess, you know, a sense of respect against opponents. And so Justin has been one of this team's best, per, better perimeter defenders. I mean, he, we've talked about this before. He doesn't often get trapped in, in those screens, that big set. He's often the, the type of player that can get out of them really quickly and get back to his man. We've seen him be a person that, you know, goes and helps on the weak side or, and then gets back out to, to contest a three point shot. So it's, you know, I think with this team still struggling from three, yes, we're still going to see some minutes from AJ Griffin, but I think this rotation is what it is. And when, and when bogey comes back, we will probably see less of AJ Griffin. So there's no update on bogey yet. And, and that's Bogdan Bogdanovich, by the way, um, for those who don't know who bogey is, if you're a first time listener, um, but he hasn't, and Bo, again, Bogey still hasn't practiced with the team yet. He's still doing rehab. And so we don't know when that is. So this is, this is what's going to, this is what's going to set the tone, I think, for how much we see AJ um, after he comes back is how he's able to capitalize on the minutes he has now. But I, I, again, I don't see him getting that many when Bogey comes in. I hope that answered the question. I'm rambling now. <laughs> no, you certainly did. And I, I, I agree with you. I think it could either flip a little bit when Bogey gets back, or it's just going to show more that AJ is not going to be as much part of the rotation as you, maybe some would like, based on the fact that this is a guy that can definitely add some shooting, um, especially with the lack of three-point shooting they've been having all season, that Bogey's going to be a guy that is going to have some impactful minutes for the Hawks. So, Definitely a lot of work for Nate McMillan to figure out, but as we've mentioned, it's better to figure it out when you have an eight and five record than if you were a team that only has a few wins on the season. So appreciate all the tweets um, that came to us. Again, you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Williams Lauren L, and we will do this, of course, every Monday as we record for our Tuesday show. So Lauren, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I again, I'm so grateful to everyone that has listened, subscribed to this podcast. This has been a great experience for me, 13, 14 games into the season. Um, and so I think I think this team is capable of a lot, especially when they're able to do it consistently. You know, we've seen in those wins how much of a factor both Murray and uh, Young can be, especially as a pick-your-poison type of backcourt, which is what you want. And we've seen flashes from DeAndre Hunter that that shows that he can be an X factor. Uh, we have seen games where all five starters 
or at least four of the starters have been in double digits. And we would, of course, love to see more of those. So, yeah, I, I think this team is capable of a lot. And, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get on the same page and get things going more consistently, especially that three-point shot. So I'm going to stop rambling now. I Again, we'll see you guys next week. And thank you all for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, oh, oh.